And here we are, rugby fans, a special, special episode 100. We did it here on the Rugby Rant, but with your help, myself and Scott, and on behalf of uh, Rob uh, Hammerschmidt, oh, I nearly forgot his name for a sec. <laughs> <laughs> that Rob dude not here today, couldn't make it, wasn't important enough, 100 episodes. <laughs> Throwing shade at the guys not here. But in all honesty, Scott, it has been a journey. It has been a wonderful one. Um, but we're here to be able to talk about rugby as we usually do. We're going to do that in a moment with the round the pitch. So. So here we are, Scott and I, we're going to go back and forth in what we now know is around the pitch with what we think is noteworthy and newsworthy that you as a rugby fan should know about. It doesn't have to be domestic. It could be international as well, whatever we think it could be. And I'm going to ask you to start us off, Scott. So I'm going with a a rooster friend of mine, Nate Brakely made uh, his 50th cap uh, in the MLR this season or this uh, in, in his MLR career with Rooney, all 50 caps with Rooney. Um, you know, it's one of those things where as guys have been going along and getting these caps, we're seeing familiar faces, these stalwarts of the league. You know, he started playing college. Uh, he started playing rugby in high school. He goes to Dartmouth. He plays there. He plays in, you know, uh, at Cambridge um, in the varsity. And then he comes to Rooney in 2019, and he's just been a cornerstone. He's the captain this year. They're going to a championship. But congratulations on your 50th cap, Nate. Love you, buddy. Yeah, it's awesome to be able to have MLR continue to recognize these achievements. Uh, it really is great to be able to see. And hopefully, you know, as we fast forward, we'll see those 75 caps and those, those 100 caps as the league continues to get stronger because of players just like him. Uh, so I'm going to take the opportunity, since we're talking about big milestones in the MLR, sending a shout out to somebody who's a friend of the Rugby Rant. In fact, was on our very first episode that helped us kick this all off back in 2020, and that is Mr. Dallin Stanford. 75 games calling in Major League Rugby. What an incredible uh, opportunity to be able to highlight somebody, not only who's been a great contributor to the game on and off the field, because he is also a former USA Sevens captain, um, was on the HSBC circuit. He's now a commentator there as well, and for the World uh, World Cups as well. So he'll continue to be a voice that is enjoyed by many fans across the nations. Uh, and we congratulate him on that incredible milestone. Um, although he did join us for one episode. So I think it's about time to get you back, Dallin. <laughs> Absolutely. He had the COVID haircut. Remember his wife? That's right. Barber shops right. were closed. And his wife tried to give him a haircut, and unfortunately, didn't work out. I feel like I gotta find a shot that's gonna be on screen somewhere. That's social media now. Like we needed, we need to like tag his posts. Like, don't forget where you came from. <laughs> Remember this. <laughs> that's great, uh, but love to see it. Seventy-five broadcast. That's awesome. Congratulations. Um, so my next around the pitch topic is we're talking about uh, USA Eagle, my buddy TT Lamasatelli. Um, he started for Montpelier in the semifinal of the top 14, beating Bordeaux 19 to 10, uh, and but booking their spot in the 22, 2022 final, uh, which is going to be held on Friday, June 29th. You know, TT was also named to the uh, Eagle squad this year, obviously, uh, at prop, probably going to be our starting Lucy uh, for the Eagles at this point. Um, you know, but it's good to see that we have, we still have Americans playing internationally that are gaining, uh, getting into finals. You know, we had big final, um, Exeter versus Saracens in the women's premiership in England. That was just chock full of North Americans. Sophie de Goody, Kate Zachary, uh, uh, Hope Rogers, uh, Alev Kelter. I mean, it was just, it's stockpiled. And now we have TT in the top 14 final. Uh, so, hey, if you got nothing to do on Friday, go watch that final, baby. All right. Yeah, excellent. I love the fact that you managed to always stay true and highlight the women's game in rugby. It really is one of the greatest ways to be able to grow the sport. And you think that how it's been embraced at all different levels. Now there's professional club rugby abroad as well. Um, and seeing you know, a lot of local Scott, the Scottish rugby union, just they're starting. To, yeah, that's true. Um, they committed to their be international clubs, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can expect now that, you know, England, Scotland, are in, Wales will follow, Ireland will mm-hmm. follow, France will follow. Um, you know, 
New Zealand has already been a great advocate because they've included in Super Rugby uh, uh, women's there. So yeah, it's it's definitely definitely one of the areas of growth that is being focused on for World Rugby and also the different regions that support it. So again, great highlight there. And I want to take the opportunity to be able to highlight another growth opportunity with the Challenge Cup of the Americas. A lot of people have been uh, asking me about this, and I've been happily uh, sharing what I know, which is, um, you know, maybe 1% of it. I'm not by no means an authority here. I'm not in the broad boardroom. I'm not in the decision-making process. I just give you the hearsay, and that's what we do here on the Rugby Rant. But it is interesting to be able to see the level of competition that was on display in this exhibition over the last weekend that included the Jaguars 15, the Haguares, I should pronounce it correctly, um, which is a former Super Rugby side. Uh, their 15 side as well competed in the Premier Division in 2019 in the Curry Cup in South Africa, won their division as well. So there's an incredible amount of talent there. And it was all on offer and all on showcase at Rugby Town USA Infinity Park their first score against the Raptors, 69-0. Following that, they played the BC Ravens from Vancouver, uh, a largely amateur side, but an incredible amount of talent. Um, one particular name I want you to pay attention to is, is Bowd, Graydon Bowd. Um, not only is he a, a U.S., uh, sorry, a, a Canadian national uh, junior level, uh, also uh, two-time badminton uh, nationals. I don't know how that works in, in rugby, but it does. Um, so, yeah, a lot of talent there. But really, what was it about? Well, it was be able to see if cross-continental contest could emerge pairing up with SLA, which, as we all know, is that great competition down south in South Americas that includes many of those great nations, Chile, Uruguay, Argentina, Paraguay, and I'm probably missing one, Brazil. Um, Colombia. Uh, yeah, you might be right, right? And it's going to continue expanding speculation maybe to, to Mexico and others, but there could potentially be five North American sides. This concept was going to be proven this past weekend. I think it did so. Many of the important partners were there to be able to see its success on and off the field. The hospitality was second to none in Glendale. So, you know, keep your eye on this. This really could be something interesting for rugby fans to be able to uh, to see rugby grow in regions that is already showing success but for us to be included in it too. Um, you know, 33 countries tuned in to be able to watch it live streaming. Uh, predominantly, the 30 of those were Spanish-speaking nations. So it shows you the hunger that there is in countries where, where, where rugby has been overlooked traditionally. So, yeah, pay attention to what's happening with SLA and Glendale and the other American sides that may join them. Yeah, and talking about American sides, we're going back to the MLR real quick. Um, you know, this is before the championship is even played. The Gold uh, announced that they've signed extensions with flanker Devin Short and Harley Wheeler uh, that'll go through the end of the 2024 Major League Rugby campaign. You know, Devin Short uh, took over the number seven shirt because Andrew Garrett of the Eagles got injured, uh, broke his leg, um, was going to be out the whole MLR, MLR season, uh, you know, recovering uh, after the international window last year. Um, and he showed great spurts of energy and great spurts to get the ball through. And winger Harley Wheeler, um, you know, two young guys. Um, I think Wheeler had a hat trick against Old Old Glory last last month. Um, and I believe he's another he's a he's a sevens cap player, but I think he's trying to break into that Eagle squad at some point. Um, but yeah, we have ex contract extensions already. The season's not even over. Yeah, and I'd love to be able to see that. You know, something that, that, that MLR has traditionally done well is that in the offseason, they start dripping them, but it feels like they started really early this season, um, you know, kind of yeah. just locking those players, and they're not doing it for the next year. I think these guys are contracted to 2024 already. Yeah, so through 2024. Yeah, 2023 through 2024. Yeah, so you know they're committed for the next two seasons, and, yep. and NOLA traditionally has done uh, a great job of securing those longer contracts because they want to be able to build that consistency. And mm -hmm. I think we're starting to see that from across the league, you know, even, even some of the, uh, the internationals that are coming in, they're no longer just doing one, one contract and done, you know, they're actually signing two and sometimes even three year deals. Yep. So let me dive into my final one, something I'm super proud of. Uh, actually, I got to lean over. So this over here, <laughs> Oh man, this is back to front, but it is a Stormers jersey, one that's been on my wall over here, uh, and that's because that's my hometown team, and I now managed to be able to give them a shout out that I've never given them before. They are the inaugural United Rugby Championship winners. 
And I don't get to say that they're winners very often. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that? Well, because the Stormers are my hometown side of Cape Town. I love them as you would your hometown side. I'm sure it's the same. They've had some inconsistencies, but this season things just clicked. You know, I want to give a massive massive props to to them they're coming off some turbulent administrative uh, practices they went into bankruptcy they have some court cases about this and this and this about jurisdiction and admin throw that all aside the players did not let it affect them all season long some really great talent emerged because we lost a few important players notably sia kalisi the springbok winning uh, rugby captain um so yeah these guys Took it all the way against the Bulls and in the Cape Town Stadium to a packed house. Managed to be able to win that contest. A tight fought affair. And they are the inaugural United Rugby Champions. And I just love how how South Africa and New Zealand and the Australian relationship is no more with Super Rugby for whatever reason. And they just go north and they say, all right, let's let's show the, 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 the Northern Hemisphere Rugby uh, what, what, what we can do. And they take it all. So again, uh, thank you very much for tuning in and what you now know as Around the Pitch. Tell us what you think. If you think there's something we may have missed and follow us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod and tell us and we may cover it next week. But for now, we'll be back after a few important words from one of our sponsors. With over 37 years of experience, American Rugby Outfitters have been dedicated to providing quality rugby gear to those who like to get dirty. The ARO team prides itself in delivering the highest quality rugby gear that will withstand the punishment rugby dishes out. Brands such as Adidas, Barbarian, Gilbert, Canterbury, and Protec will deliver when the game gets tough. Whether you need team uniforms, boots, bags, field equipment, or swag for the post-mass social, ARO is your source for quality rugby gear. They can set up your club or business with a team store like they did for us to ensure every member looks as good as the pros. If the international game is your vibe, Aero will carry you across the line with officially licensed gear from the Eagles, Springboks, All Blacks, England, Ireland, and Wales, amongst others. Visit RugbyGear.com and check out all that the folks from American Rugby Outfitters have to offer. Use the code RANT15 to get a 15% discount site-wide. As an added bonus, when the items in your cart are $100 or more, you get free shipping to anywhere in the continental United States. Don't forget to check out our line of Rugby Rant gear available exclusively at RugbyGear.com. Don't forget to use Rant15 to get 15% off your order site-wide. American Rugby Outfitters, dedicated to the toughest demands in the world's toughest game. Welcome back, rugby fans. And as you know, it's that time to be able to do what we do here on the Rugby Rant, and that's debate rugby. So joining us here on this occasion for episode 100, we have who we'd like to be able to say is our fifth, uh, what did you call yourself? The fifth timer? That's five, right. Five, five, five timer. The five timer club. <laughs> five time. I can't even get his intro right. And he actually explained it to me before. <laughs> so, so no nickname to be decided slash Sarge slash the five timer. I like it. I like it. And Alex is joining us here. He's a resident OGDC supporters. Uh, club super fan. Uh, he has represented us here before on the Rugby Rant and, of course, done a great job for all the fans of OGDC. And that's why he's back one more time to be able to have another shot at beating Scott Ferrara. First timer, though, we have introducing a new and fresh face to our Rugby Rant pa- pod here. That is Dr. Patrick Caulfield, who is a sport. What, what did you call yourself? Mr. Dr. Coach. The, I don't call myself that. That's all the. That's all my players and my boys. <laughs> right. I like it. I like it. And that's because when you say that, you are a high school rugby coach, uh, partway player, a, a, as you put it, is about to retire player. On the way um, out, yeah. <laughs> but more importantly, sports medicine is your life. You work a lot within the rugby community. You're going to be playing in a sevens tournament coming up soon. So, uh, so much of your life has, I guess, been a part about rugby and will continue to be just in a different way, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Excellent. And uh, you are joining us in the place of the familiar face of Rob, the Hammer Hammerschmidt. We hope to be able to go back to Rob and say we don't need him anymore. Um... 
I'm trying not to do that for him, but <laughs> it's kind of what we do here. We like to be able to make each other uh, uh, feel uh, inadequate. Um, <laughs> so, with all that being said, of course, without any introduction needed, but I do anyways. Scott, the big guy, Ferrara, episode 100. What a journey, right? Can't believe we made it to episode 100. Uh, we're you know two days away from a final in New York. Uh, the big never guy thought that there. would happen either. I mean, listen, you know, no, I mean, let, let's be honest. You know, Seattle went from outside looking in to now they're looking to get their third shield in 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 five years here in the MLR. And Rooney, you know, winning against the two team and a three uh, first seed to to get a home uh, uh, playoff or a home championship game. Man, just, just can't ask for anything more than that. You know, right? And you're this bowl represents the game. We love a game fueled by passion. But there are those who wear no number, nor are they in the locker room or the field of play. But they are there for every high and every low. Yes, they are watching every kick, tackle, and Try score. Yes, they are there for when you need them most because they are the Major League Rugby fans. And the time has come for you to stand with your team. Join us at shopmlr.com today. Right, and you're alluding to some of the important things we're here to be able to debate right now on episode 100 so as a reminder for our fans what we're talking about here is a review of last week's mlr conference finals now we had an opportunity to be able to see the east with free jacks and rugby new york that was an interesting competition we're going to debate that alongside the challenge of the west at aviva stadium with houston sabercats their first occasion in the playoffs against the uh, surprise entry of the Seattle Seawolves, who surprised on their way getting there too uh, with impressive scorelines and continued that form all the way into the conference final, much to my dismay because my money was on Houston. I think a little bit of loyalty because there were so many South Africans on the squad. I felt like I had to, right? Um, But we're going to be talking about that and more. And it all starts with the rant. We're going to get... Alex, to kick it off, what did you think about the MLR Conference Finals? Well, you know, what what a weekend, especially with all the buzz going on in, in MLR, right? All these things going on, all the chatter, all the transparency or lack of transparency. And man, it's it was hot out there. It was getting pretty spicy on all the on all the chats and the and the in the groups. But you know, all, all four of those teams deserve to be there. They played their butts off all year. Um I, I thought Houston was totally in it. Like I, I really thought Houston was going to pull it off. And then just Seattle, once, once, once they hit their stride, they were just, they were just, uh, they had like foot on their throat going after it. It was, it was an impressive performance. So like hats off to Seattle moving forward. I think uh, they, I don't think they've lost a playoff match since 2018. So that's pretty impressive. And yeah, like, you're right to that note. Six and O oh is their record in the playoffs. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. They're, they're, they're a great, they're a great rugby story. They've got great fans. And so, um, you know, there has to, has to be, there has to be a, there has to be a winner and Seattle did it in New York, you know, I see that OGDC put up so many points on New York. I kind of hope, hoping that New York would go down, but like, I don't want, I don't want, I want Scott to, I want BP to stay down, but who would have thought, who would have thought, who would have thought that New England would be toppled. And a lot, I know a lot of, a lot of good friends, uh, cheering them on that they had a great season and um, I'm sure Scott will get into maybe some of those calls later or some counterpoints to some of those calls but for the record episode 97 my fourth time no big deal on the show um, I bombed all my calls and right after that the Gilgroni and Giltini thing kind of happened so if you are betting out there and investing your kids college fund do not take any of my advice later on in the show that is the disclaimer <laughs> But what, like any that. given Saturday and every any any given Saturday, any given Sunday, that's what I'm going to leave my rant with. Any given Saturday, any given Sunday, you can be beat, and that's what happened this weekend. 
Right, right, right. And this is what's so exciting about playoff structures, knockout uh, tournaments. They're all exciting because it's all about what happens on the day. Throw the history by the wayside. The record doesn't count. Your performance on the day and every moment inside of those 80 minutes is what makes this stage of the postseason so exciting for rugby fans. And you're right. You know, if you were a betting man as as I was, I, I you know, my super brief pick was Free Jacks. Um, halfway because I thought they were doing fantastic. The other half was because I just didn't want Scott to win. Um, <laughs> but really, at the end of the day, what team comes out with the points above the other is is the deserved side. Uh, and again, that's what makes it so interesting. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, my picks also weren't going my favor, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people were just like us. But you know what? Maybe, maybe Patrick wasn't. So let's find out from Patrick. What did you think of this weekend's action? Hey, well, fortunately for me, I didn't have any uh, predictions because I really didn't know how either of the games were going to go. Uh, but that the the New England New York game was pretty exciting, even to the very very end. It was you know that last final final play decided that game. Um, but I mean, just just absolutely exciting. Both games were were incredible to watch. Um, Andrew Coe with that final try at the end there sealed it. And, um, but I mean, Conradi for new England outstanding. I mean, these guys, it was, it was excellent game. So that one was tight till the very, very end. Mm -hmm. It seemed tight from the beginning, even, even with new England getting out to start, uh, New York just looked composed the whole way through. So they, they just, they just took it easy, got back into it. And then, uh, Houston and Seattle though, I mean, I, it might it might uh, upset some people. Seattle looked absolutely dominant. It seemed like even even when the game was close, they looked they looked dominant. JP Smith, you know, like um, Duncan Matthews, that that little kick and chase, like the pace was unbelievable. So it just they just absolutely put up numbers. And I mean, any four of these teams could have gone and could have moved on. Um, but uh, we'll get to my predictions later on with how I think the final is going to go. I have, I have, uh, I have my my thoughts now. I'm going to put my right. my hat in the ring. Out of curiosity, see. though, if you were forced to be able to choose which game for you as a fan was more entertaining to watch, would you rather say the Free Jacks Rooney game or the Houston Seattle one? I'd go Houston Seattle, really, just because of Alatimu. I mean, he was right. on fire that that whole game it was unbelievable like he you know he takes he takes a line break gives a little no look pass gets back into it ball comes out of the ruck sloppy gives it again for one more and and score like he was absolutely on fire so right yeah that, his work rate was alone. amazing electric yeah. player um and seattle's yeah. got a few of those and that's why they've you know this season they put a lot of points on the board their their try amounts has increased They've steadily improved over the season. They're peaking at the right time. Um, and there was a lot to be expected as well from, from Houston going into that matchup because there was Absolutely. the first time that they were there, right? It was the first time they had made the playoffs. They invested a lot in the in their side. They got some of the best coaching staff with Heine Kamea, um, who's a former Springbok rugby coach, alongside Poto Human. So there was an incredible expectation set upon them. Um, and they were at home. So, you know, I, I, I went with the, with the, the history of, of, of their success at home and it didn't work out in my favor. Seattle ended up coming up on top, but something that you brought up earlier in your rant, which I thought was enjoyable and I'd like to revisit for a moment. You said sure. both games were great entertaining products of rugby, but almost for two different reasons yep. in the, uh, in the East, you had this, this, you know, very hard fought, for every inch, much tighter, closer affair. What people have been saying about the East is that it's got more of a Northern Hemisphere-styled play to it. Then when you look at the West, it's a lot more running rugby. It seems like they've got more of a Kiwi influence uh, in the style, but you think that with the roster that Rooney has, it should have it there too. And it does, mm -hmm. but they can play different games, which is something that I tend to enjoy. But I am certainly not the Rooney expert here. It's best we hand it over to the man who certainly holds that title. Uh, in fact, uh, what was it, 2021 uh, Fan of the Year as well, I might add. That's worth mentioning on episode mm -hmm. 100 again. Not, it was you and the Broccoli guy that were up for the honors. Yes. Um, <laughs> but for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let's get hot, baby. So first I'm going to talk about the Seattle-Houston um, game. And 
I think Houston came in and had a little bit of a hangover going in that first that first half. Um, you know, it's one of those things where you know Houston coming in it's their first playoff match. Um, you know, maybe it's one of those things you don't know what to expect. I, I I bet you you try and prepare just like everybody says that prepare just like it's every other game, but it's not. You're playing at home. There's some excitement there. You have a chance. You had to buy right, so you had a chance to rest up and watch Seattle play. Then they're coming to your house, and you're going to protect your house, and your fans are there, and the adrenaline's pumping. So, you know, maybe it was a little bit of a hangover that first half because um, from from really, I mean, uh, uh, Mr. Dr. Dude Man over there was talking about Alatimu. I mean, he went, what, four for four on his conversions, two for two on his penalties. You know, his kicking was flawless. Right. Um, and they scored, you know, Houston, uh, excuse me, Seattle scored tries at the 17th, 29th, and 31st minute, right? So, I mean uh, – hit that with their conversions plus a penalty at the beginning versus Houston really scoring that first try early on. Um, and then that was it. I don't know. They had a penalty, I think too, within the first 10 minutes. Um, but that, that it kind of just stopped up and, and their offense just kind of stalled. And that's really a credit to Seattle. Seattle is known for having a the seawall, you know, what they said, the seawall was back. The seawall was back. Right. And in my opinion, the seawall was back for this game against Houston, especially in that first half. And Houston just couldn't dig out of the hole that they were stuck in. Unfortunately, I think it's just that syndrome of not being able to be, you know, having, having not been there before, you know, and having a little bit of that, that hangover, which we see sometimes with a lot of MLR teams uh, on the, on those bye weeks Uh, moving over to the uh, new England Rooney match, dude, it was a great match. I mean, the first four minutes, you know, new England's up 10, nothing, Um, you know, it's hard charging. It's hard hitting. It's, it was two teams that you could tell were just a, a, a shoelace break away from breaking off a run. And all of a sudden, boom, they get a, a shoestring tackle just comes along and takes them out. And we had uh, a, a try saving tackle on the new England side, a try saving tackle on the New York side. We had a try that some new England fans say was forward. Although the referees on the field didn't call it that way. And just like I said, when new England beat us at home and it came down to that last play, you know, New York fans were sour about it. And I said, well, if we were beating them by 50, that last play, however they called the last play, wouldn't matter. You know, and I still believe that in any match, you know, beat the team by 50 and finish the fight. And guess what? It doesn't matter what the referee is going to do. Uh, but Andrew Coe, man, I got to be honest. Everybody talks about Ed Fidel, uh for Rooney. Andrew Coe has had an amazing season for Rooney. I'm going to talk about him in the second half of this rant. So get your Patreon ready. Doug Wilkie and Derek Brissett, get on the Patreon because I'm going to be talking about rugby behind. I'm going to talk about Andrew Coe um, um, and why he wasn't picked. And But I got to be honest, Andrew Coe on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball, you have to realize he's a small statured winger, but he's fast like a rocket and he'll punch you right in the mouth on some hits. So, I mean, right. It's just... and, and on the day he received the player of the match honors. So certainly he was recognized for his contribution for the day. Um, but you know, there were so many great, uh, moments in that match in particular, like you referenced the two try saving moments, Nick Savannah on one mm-hmm. side, you know, and you always kind of felt that once it got close to at halfway, uh, the halftime, I should say, uh, I think the score was 10 to 13. Uh, mm-hmm. it was a close affair, you know, it didn't seem like that way right from the start. Once you get the first points on the board after four minutes, you feel like, oh gosh, here we go. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, it, it stayed close by the end. Um, a lot of people would argue that that it was uh, Free Jack's game to lose, um, you know, and, and there are, you know, a lot of fans who are just saying that they missed the opportunity, they should have kept their foot on the gas, you know, once they were 10 up, but it just goes to be able to prove it's something that I mentioned beforehand, you know, when people are chatting and they're going 10 up, we're looking good, we're looking good, especially when you're 10 up and the other half is a zip score, right? You're looking pretty good. They haven't even got onto the scoreboard, but it just only goes to be able to prove at this level of the game, it could change so quickly. Because we've come so far, 10 points is not enough to be able to sit in your laurels and go, hey, we've got a good a good lead here. That's not a lead, right? And, and to be honest, when quickly. you look when you look at the the, the the box scores and things, all of New England points were scored by Bowden Waka. You had three tries right. by three different three different players of Rooney. And then you had conversions by Jason Emery and Sam Windsor. Um, you know, kind of, I guess they were deciding who was kicking better at the time or kicking into the wind or what have you. You know, so it just seemed like the scoring was, you know, because the scoring was a little more dynamic via player, they weren't focused on one player, Rooney. And, you know, Bowden Waka has been a friggin' force this entire season. Um, you know, he, he has scored a, a bunch of points single-handedly off chip kicks that have bounced, you know, the chip kicks have been executed perfectly, bounce right to him, and there's nobody in front of him to score. 
Um, but, you know, sometimes you just can't rely on that player. And I don't think New England was dynamic enough uh, on their offense to get mm-hmm. it out to players they needed to get it out to. But they got again, it was like the, it's the tale of two teams that are just about to break something and then it gets shut down. I mean, we had two stands on each five meter line a couple of times where we're like, oh, this, you know, New England's going to come in and score and Rooney stops them for seven or eight minutes. And then you, Rooney's going to come in and score. And they're on, you know, 10 to seven meters out. And all of a sudden that, that right. wall just lines up for New England and they stop them. And, you know, there's a knock on, you know, like there were several plays like that and several phases like mm-hmm. that. It was just mm-hmm. really exciting rugby. So let's talk about one of the most pivotal moments in that matchup, seeing if we're still on the topic of the Free Jacks versus uh, Rugby New York. And was that yellow card with less than 10 minutes to play that certainly changed the momentum in the favor of Rugby New York. Now, Renat, I think the general consensus is that the yellow card stands. No one's arguing that, right? Um, but it only furthers my point to be able to say that, you know, you can never take your foot off the gas, right? You know, 10 points, 15 points, whatever the difference is, you've got to keep going. And you brought this up earlier, Scott, and I kind of was also wondering if, uh, if the rest of you guys might have felt similar. Um, you know, there was an opportunity with seven up on the board for the Free Jacks. And they could have, they had a penalty opportunity. They could have decided to be able to push it forward, to be able to go for the try. But instead, they'd be able to play it safe and went for the three to kind of push it to 10 above. At that time, it was probably around about the 17th or 18th minute, if I'm correct. At that stage, when you're seven up, no momentum's in your favor to the rest of you. And let me go ahead and throw it out to, uh, to Patrick first. Would you have preferred to have seen a team in that position to push forward and go for the try? or to rather just take the points on offer, especially considering it's a conference final. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty indifferent because I can, I can make an argument and I can respect an argument on both sides. So uh, I can't really fault them for their choice, honestly. can't really fault them. Yeah, you know, there's a lot that would agree that, especially in a moment that it's a knockout opportunity, you take whatever the points are available, right? Because you never know if the three might be the winning points or not. Alex, did you have anything to share on that note? how you might've done it differently. I, I think um, there's three very small and short points of it is first off, that's what makes this sport so great, right? Coaches not involved players on the field. That goes to point number two, right? Old Teddy Roosevelt right. man in the arena right there. The man in the arena gets to make that call or, or woman. But in this case, we're talking MLR, right? So they got to make that call and they got to go for it. Like, I respect that. Like, I respect I respect the players, the 15 men on the pitch, right, and that captain taking, taking ownership of that call and going for it, right? And just, you know, this, all these stops, all these little micro touch points mm-hmm. in, the, in the match, and it just didn't work right, out. There's I mean, so many course. things that could have gone a different way right. and given a different result that to be able to just hyper-focused on one uh, might not necessarily be fair. Um, I guess that when you're when you're a Free Jacks fan, you might be looking for for an answer that doesn't necessarily exist. Uh, well, I was just surprised by it, you know, for being at two out of the three regular season matches, both uh, uh, New York and New England didn't really take points for those matches early on. They were kicking for the corner. Maybe that's a sign of respect two. against their competition, though. You know, so I just I was surprised that they did they did kick for points. So mm-hmm. not that there's a lack of respect in making that choice. You know, it's it's the game. You're trying to win the game. How you right. how you win it? You know, I just was surprised because historically this season, both teams have been just going for the tries no matter what. And you know, maybe maybe that's a um, a direct result in the fact that you want to beat a conference opponent and gain not only a regular uh, four point win but a bonus point win plus point differential in that's the true. regular season to help your playoff chances. So maybe there maybe that's where the difference lies. You know, and in your strategy, that's a I'm really not sure. point. I'm not, I wasn't, I wasn't in the New England locker room for that type of thinking, so I'm not sure. But I could see maybe you're being a little more conservative. I'm going for tries if you think you can, you can hold on to the ball and beat them. Absolutely. So, gentlemen, one thing that we need to be able to figure out before we leave this piece is who do we think now that we know who's going to be in that championship game come next weekend, which as a reminder for all of our rugby fans tuning in will be covered by Fox. It's a great and blossoming relationship for our broadcast partner to be selected as Fox. Whereas previously we had seen CBS being the home for this conference final last season, managed to be able to improve upon 2019's final in terms of viewership. 
And that viewership was 500,000 in 2019. It continued to grow in 2021. We expect it to be the same now. Recently, some evidence was shared that the viewerships are now creeping ever closer to some of the viewership that you might see from traditional leagues like the NBA or the NHL. So finding a new home with Fox and with more eyeballs tuning in is going to be great, but I'm sure the product on the field is going to be even better as it comes 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, of course, in Hoboken, as Rugby New York deserved the honors, having been decided as the host of the championship game. And who will be the winner? We're going to go once around the table, starting with Alex, between, of course, Seattle and Rugby New York. Who do you think shall take all the honors? Oh, man, I don't want to. I just put my knuckles out there now. That's that good Catholic school upbringing right there. Um, well played, big, I like that. <laughs> once again, once again, you don't you don't want to necessarily take my uh, betting advice, but I do believe that Vegas was built on not following not following some of these trends and the odds. Hey, three times, three times to the big dance, undefeated in the playoffs. Although I'm an Eastern Conference guy, for the record, right? You know, get that disclaimer out there. And I'd love to I'd love to be on the big guys team and and cheering on Rooney. I've got to go with I've got to go with the tempo and the stride that Seattle has. Like if, if that game might have been a little bit closer, but I don't know. There's some sort of ferocity in that second half of that match that I think Seattle Seattle not only played hard enough to to make it to the final. I think they believe they deserve to be in that final and that confidence. I don't think it's I don't think it's hubris. I don't think it's false bravado. I think they've hit a good stride, and I think they believe that they deserve to be in that final. They worked their butts off. They're there. Got to go with Seattle. All right. Seattle locked and loaded. That is your pick in. I like it. I love your confidence in that delivery, too. Dr. Patrick, Mr. Coach Doctor, what do you got? I'm, I'm on board coach. with Alex I'm here. I, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That's okay. It all doesn't matter anyways. <laughs> uh, I'm – I got to be on board with Alex here. I think uh, if Seattle executes the way that they they did this past weekend, uh, it's going to be tough for any team to beat them. So I know the big guy is going to be a little upset about that as well. Uh, but you got to also think, you know, they're they're preparing for that. They're preparing for all those, you know, all those spark plugs. So uh, I would not be surprised if it went the other way and it went the other way pretty aggressively, but I'm going Seattle. All right. I like it. There's two. I don't think I have to ask Scott, but as courtesy, I got to give him <laughs> well, the well, We don't know. <laughs> well, I will say this. I think uh, Seattle is uh, the more dangerous team because they have nothing to lose. They weren't even supposed to be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other chip in their, in their, their holder there is they've been to a championship before when he hasn't. If we've known anything from uh, this past weekend, we had new England with their first playoff appearance and Houston with their pay- playoff first playoff appearance, both at home. And the two teams that have been in the playoffs before won those matches. So, you know, could that be indicative of what's going to happen on the field? Maybe. But you know I'm going for my Roosters. You guys, I mean, it's it's no surprise. Um, I think it can be a tight game. I think it's going to be one of those games that um, the last time uh, Rooney and Seattle played was a tight match as well. Um, Tony Riddell did bring up the fact that he felt it was a disadvantage for West Coast teams to play at 9 a.m., which I say, well, they, the East Coast teams go out and play there at 10 p.m., you know, when we have matches. So, I mean, it's kind of just – unfortunately, that's the way it is. And I, I believe this final time was already set a couple weeks ago. And to be honest, you know, again, Seattle wasn't supposed to be there. They are there. They're hot as a pistol right now. Um, yeah. They're playing really good rugby. The seawall's back. And, you know, Rooney's defense against one of the best offenses in, uh, in the league showed and, and balled out. Uh, but, you know, I'm going for Rooney and meet the big guy at Red Bull Arena Saturday at noon. I'll be there. I'm tr- still trying to uh, clear my pre-match show on the field. Still trying to clear all my signs uh, that I put out because this is this is a home match. So uh, with the help of Walker Tice, I'm going to hopefully be on the field to do my pre-match stuff. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, I like the thoughts from everybody here. And I agree 100%. Seattle is looking hot right now. They're almost on like, you know, not, not borrowed time, but they got free time here because, you know, it's a place they weren't actually supposed to be, but they're taking every opportunity presented with them. You know, people had criticism of with San Diego and Seattle competing against each other, that Seattle, sorry, San Diego looked lackluster in their performance because they thought they were already out. 
Seattle was wasn't a, a foregone conclusion that they were going through either. But you see them; they've just taken that momentum, they've taken that energy. Maybe it's got something to do with, like you said, that they've been there before. It's nothing unfamiliar to them. There's a lot of the core group of players that have been there long enough to know what it's like to be on that stage, to have those extra stakes. And they're the leaders in the side. Uh, uh, Hatting, of course, has been there uh, as a leader right from the start. Those type of players will have a presence in the biggest moments. And I think that older players uh, for Seattle have been there before in the MLR. But then when you look at the quality and the presence that, of, of the leadership that they have available in Rooney's corner as well, those guys have had World Cup wins, right? They've, they've had opportunities to win Rugby World Cups. Talk about pressure, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think nerves or, or being there or not having been there is going to be an important factor. Um, although I will say this, um, I believe I, 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 would, I would not be surprised to be able to see Seattle take the honors, but it might be better for domestic rugby if New York actually wins a record that is three out of four finals going to one side seems like that's not enough variety. And it's just like if New Zealand wins every world cup, the sport doesn't actually grow. So I might want to be able to see the East coast take it this time. And and with that Rooney now making it through the playoffs for their first time onto the final for the first time, they've been up there enough times that it just hasn't clicked at the right time. I'm hoping this is the time for them. So there we have it, rugby fans. We've all said our piece. And when it's all said and done, you know that we have to be able to remind you that you can continue to be able to enjoy what we do by following us on Patreon under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod for all the additional content, extended interviews, and even more rugby debates. And we'll be talking about that in just a moment when you catch us on Patreon. Uh, the upcoming Canada internationals and the roster that has been chosen thus far. What do we think? Our insights and more again at patreon.com. Follow us under the handle at rugby rant pod for all that extra content for only a few extra bucks. You're going to get all the good stuff. And again, you can see us on social media under the same handle at rugby rant pod and gentlemen, It's that time again where we have to be able to say goodbye to our fans, but we say thank you for joining us here in this rugby debate with Alex Carlson. No nickname yet, although we are still, it's it's now between five-timer or Sarge. We'll see where it lands. Although I know he doesn't like the Sarge one because it's not official. Uh, title <laughs> and uh, uh doctor uh, doctor i gotta get this right was it how did you phrase it before was it doctor, i think i think a lot coach, of the boys Mr. that doctor are gonna coach. watch this are gonna get a kick mr, out of it, mr. dr coach that's right that's mr. right dr. Coach. why, why is this such a hard concept for me jesus Ty. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys for joining us it has been a pleasure uh, it is a bit of a tradition that before we say goodbye to any of our guests, that we throw the microphone back to them to be able to send a shout out to anybody they think is important, perhaps an old club, perhaps a cause that you'd like to draw attention to. Patrick, we'll hand it to you first. Uh, yeah, let me give a, I have to give a shout out to my wife for letting me come on here this evening, especially when <laughs> she's dealing with the uh, the pregnancy stuff. So uh, massive shout out to her. Uh, my Naperville Warriors uh, high school rugby club as well, the alumni that I'm playing with this weekend. And then uh, also another shout out to Chicago Blaze. All right, fantastic. All the shout outs necessary, but the wife was number one. If she was lost in the list. (laughs) Absolutely. And Alex, what do you want to share? Uh, So coming on the the trail, you know, the – after Father's Day, happy belated Father's Day to all the fathers out there uh, and what and what you do. Um, th- June is PTSD um, Awareness Month and being a veteran and serving in the veteran service organization space. Um, please don't be afraid to be vulnerable and be be honest and reach out. Um, you can always find me. Uh, I'll do anything I can to help you out. So um, if you watch this, please connect with me on social media. Uh, and I'd, lo- I'd love to help anybody out here that's a veteran or non-veteran with some wellness ideas, right, so that we can thrive in this environment, this very, very chaotic world. And most important, if you know, I'm going to show this. If you know Mike Geibel, he coaches um, Wheeling, right? So I, I, I'm i going through a personal thing there, and I'll leave there without going into the long story. I always appreciate Mike um, doing this jersey every year out at, out at Wing. It means the world to me. It, it means the world to my family.
healthy um, because we, we do have breast cancer in our, in, in our family. So thanks to Mike, just a, a shout out to a fellow coach and for a really, really great cause. And so thank you once again for having me on here, guys. I really appreciate it. Excellent. Love it. Good message all around and important ones as well. Again, thank you, Alex Carlson and uh, Dr. Patrick Caulfield for joining us. And again, of course, to Scott Ferrara. My name is Ty Braga, host for today's activities alongside a host of other rugby ranters. Thank you for watching and we will catch you at the next. Tidehead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tidehead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, and it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. Hey, Rugby Rant fans, it's Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt, and I'm flying solo today for the RPK. Uh, my two partners bugged out on me today. Of course, uh, Scott Farrar is still celebrating from Rooney's victory, going to be in the MLR Championship Final, going to be hosted at Red Bull Arena, of course, so everybody's excited about that, but but Scott is still, uh, I don't know, maybe he's on a uh, still on a drunken uh, uh, binge or he's just uh, high on life because Rooney's in the final. Nevertheless, he couldn't join us and Ty's tied up with work. And so I'm, I'm doing it myself, but I think I'm good. I'm here with a great, a great personality. Of course, uh, we have Lauren Doyle, who is in the USA rugby sevens high performance uh, team. And she is out there in Chula Vista on location, getting ready and prepared and geared up for what's come in the next couple of months, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But I want to first of all welcome Lauren Doyle to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. I am too. I was super excited. Uh, I dig pretty deep into, um, and I as I prepare for the questions into our guest backgrounds. And of course, I was just excited to find out that a fellow Illinoisan is joining our show. We don't always get to say that. There's been a few occasions, but it's always Fun to have somebody from the land of Lincoln joining the show, um, so I don't have to deal with my guy from Iowa and my guy from New York. <laughs> yeah, a very small town in in Illinois, but nonetheless. Yeah, I know, and it's, especially because you know I, I grew up for a bit of time in in Bloomington, Normal, Illinois, so we weren't we weren't a far oh, okay. throw uh, from from uh, your neck of the woods down there, you know, Springfield, Decatur area. Uh, so, uh, and it was your hometown? Yeah, Booty. Booty, yeah, that's right. So, of course, uh, and that's where you get your start. So, you know, she came from um, a very active uh, experience down there at Booty, down the middle of central Illinois, played high school, volleyball, soccer, basketball, and track. Um, went to Eastern Illinois University. Uh, go Panthers, right? Um, yeah. And... Uh, and then uh, went on and, and has some Chicago connections, and we'll talk a little bit about those. So I'm excited about that. Nevertheless, for those fans who are not familiar with Run Pass Kick, it works like this. I'm going to throw some questions at Lauren, and we're going to prompt all the questions with Run Pass or Kick. If Lauren's going to tell us what she's going to do, and if she decides to run with it, it means she's going to go ahead and uh, take that question you know, on the hoof and go straight up the guts and answer it. And as a quality sevens player, we know that that's something she'll probably do with some frequency. Uh, so we know those sevens, <laughs> the sevens uh, players like to run a bit and have a go. Uh, of course, Lauren could also pass on a question, which is to say that it's maybe too tough to handle. Doesn't want to get in trouble with the uh, USA brass, 
rugby brass there. So that's okay. Uh, and then she can always have a f- bit of fun with us. We know in sevens, it's kind of a, it's not something you like to do to kick the ball away and kick away possession, but maybe on occasion there's an opportunity to do that. And so Lauren might choose to kick to me, in which case I have to answer a question on her uh, behalf as if I think she would answer it. Um, so it's, it's always fun for our guests to have a little fun with the host uh, being myself. So Lauren Doyle, are you ready for the run pass or kick challenge? I am so ready. <laughs> Thanks. So, uh, like I said, we know um, that I get into uh, stalking our, our guests a little bit. Uh, I'm, it's, it's a shameless thing that I do. Uh, but while I was stalking you on Facebook, um, so expect a friend request at some point, um, I noticed that you have two Shiba Inus, Rio and Rocky. So, so the question is, run, pass, or kick, can you give us your worst doggy mischief story? I can, I can. I obviously, I have to really think in the in the good old archives of the brain here. There, um, my oldest is getting ready to be six, and the youngest one is getting ready to be five. So um, it's been a while since they've been like horribly bad. <laughs> but um, yeah, when the when Rio, my girl, the oldest, was a baby. Um, she would bite me all the time, like really bad on my fingers and stuff. And she always, um, she always, uh, destroyed anything that was like within reaching distance. And she, um, she would bite the, the baseboards and destroy like all, and obviously like I live in California, so I, I rent apartments and um, yeah, she did a number on my first apartment there. Um, I'm sure when I get off this call, I will think of like 400 stories that where she was just horrible or my boy, he's, he's a nightmare because he's like an anxious one, but she, uh, she, it was, it was a year or two before she finally calmed down and stopped absolutely destroying everything. <laughs> That that's funny. I mean, that's uh, you always hear horror stories about that. I'm sure you lost a few security deposits over that one. <laughs> I did lose a couple of dollars. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a little dog as well, a little girl uh, named Nola, uh, named after my favorite rugby team, of course, and and she's a little woodle. Yeah, she's about 17 or 18 pounds, but when she was a puppy, she used to like to spin all the. Uh, all the toilet paper off the roll, right? And you just see shards of toilet paper all over the bathroom, and you, you know, you'd been, you know, you'd been tagged by Nola once you went by the bathroom. So, oh um, man, <laughs> that's tough. Yeah, fortunately, no furniture has been destroyed, and she's, and I think she's past that point. So, so I'm feeling strong about my uh, duties as a parent, you know, as a doggy parent. So yeah. <laughs> So let's get in a little bit about you. Um, you have you and I have something in common. We talked a little bit about it uh, before going to the show. The fact that we're both from Illinois. We call Illinois home. Um, run, pass, or kick. How did a girl from rural Booty, Illinois, find rugby? Mm. I'll, I'll run with it. <laughs> um, I... Um, ran track pretty heavily and um, I really like got noticed by colleges because of track um, I was a sprinter and uh, I, I wanted to go to eastern Illinois and I didn't want to run track <laughs> and I got a packet in the mail from Frank Graziano who was the rugby coach there. And I was like, hey, mom, I'm going to go play rugby because I don't want to run track. And she was like, what? No, why? That's so, that's so left field for you. And I was like, well, uh, 
is happening. And so, yeah, I, that is how I found rugby. Um, and yeah, when I, when I went there, I started playing when I was 18 and it was 15s as well. So, um, yeah, that's like the, the gist of the story. It was just a packet that I got in, in the mail and went out on a whim and that was it. Uh, you didn't have to tell your mother you were playing hooker at some point, did you? <laughs> no, no, I wasn't uh, in the forwards, but they, that was a position and my brothers came at me for that. <laughs> so, so um, kind of follow up, what attracted you to the game of rugby? I mean, sight unseen, I'm sure there probably at that time wasn't a lot of rugby in Booty, Illinois. So there must have been something that kind of piqued your interest. Yeah. Um, I mean, once I started playing, um, I had a lot of success just based on my speed, you know, so that was fun. But um, I think what really hooked me was uh, when I started getting involved in sevens. And that was only a year after I had been um uh at eastern and yeah when i started playing uh, sevens that's when i was like oh wow this game is like more complex and there's so much strategy and thought and um, skill involved in it and i think that that really like enticed me cool absolutely and it's funny how some some players, you know, they're attracted to the physicality of, of 15s or sometimes others are just attracted to some of the dimension of sevens. You know, just on a personal, even, you know, I have a son that goes to Lindenwood University, go Lions. And, um, you know, he initially yes. went there to play to play 15s and he still plays 15s, but he's really become the last couple of years really attracted to the sevens game. Um, you know, for, you know, it's at six, six, five, he, he's, they, they like him to go up and after the ball and the restart. So it's something he's kind of really taken a shine to in the game of sevens. It's, it's, it's interesting that everybody has that interest, uh, that, that, you know, piece that engages them. I bet. So um, moving forward, um, talk a little bit more where you're at in your career. And obviously you've, you've taken uh, a much more of an interest in the game of sevens. And so you're spending time right now in the Olympic training center, as we talked off camera, you know, you're going to be competing, um, you know, really heavily in September. But run past your kick. What can you tell us about anything new and exciting that's happening at the Olympic Training Center and with what the team is preparing for uh, coming up in the calendar? For those that might be interested. Yeah. Um, I can run with it. Uh, we... Let's see, we just started back training. We had a break for four weeks after the end of the season in, in May. And so we, uh, yesterday was our first day back. And we have a couple of hopefully some teams coming down to train against us and, and play against us. I can't like disclose the teams, <laughs> but um, and then you know, we leave early for World Cup and, and we go to a base camp in South Africa and hopefully uh, get some teams out there to do scrimmages and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, basically we're just pedal to the metal from here to you know, the World Cup and, and perfecting things or fixing things and uh, addressing things that need to be addressed and working on, you know, team cohesion and our culture and, and everything like that. Pretty typical. <laughs> cool. Well, it's, it certainly sounds like you guys have a full calendar coming up in the next few months. And, and um, while you didn't reveal who you might be playing, it certainly is enticing to, to, you know, for fans to find out um, more about uh, those results and how the team performed. So they should be paying attention to social media, checking out Lauren's Facebook page or Instagram page um, so they can get uh, the highlights from those events most certainly. 
Um, what's your handle just in case they're asking and, and in case they want to know how to follow you? Yeah. Um, Facebook would be Lauren Doyle. That's my professional page. And then my Instagram is Lauren Doyle 23. Lauren dot Doyle 23. One of those. <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah, look no. at <laughs> Lauren's about 23, of course. Uh, for those fans that don't know, 23 is her favorite number. Yes, correct. <laughs> so probably probably after Michael Jordan, like every other person from Illinois that grew up uh, during that, that mid-90s time. That's actually not. Um, my birthday is February 23rd, and so that's why 23 is one of my favorite numbers. Obviously, Michael Jordan adds to it, but... <laughs> but that's the mistake but yeah. you've got. <laughs> cool so again we've been talking about you know the fact that we do this show uh and have great personalities like yourself join us each week is to provide fans with more information about the personalities in the game and more information about the game and of course many rugby fans including those of us from the rugby rant extol the virtues of rugby and its in inclusivity Right. Um, it's been something that's been a hallmark. And of course, a lot of the MLR teams, because we do a heavy dose of MLR, and we're just coming to the conclusion that that season, they do a diversity component. Um, uh, you know, every team has a different way in which they recognize diversity in their communities. So run, pass or kick, in your opinion, is our sport and its culture as inclusive as many fans extol it to be or suggest that it is indeed inclusive? Or does it have some ways to go? Yeah, I can. I can with that. Um, about maybe like club rugby or you know people that are do it in their spare time. You know, I would say like one hundred percent inclusive. Like the more people, the merrier at those levels, right? But once you start to climb the ladder, it just gets a little bit harder to penetrate it, if you will. Like, for, like obviously, anyone that comes into our USA Rugby environment is very welcome. And it's, you know, hey, you've, got, you've gone through a whole bunch of steps to get here, and we all respect that. So, um, yeah, I think that it is very inclusive and... Um, in any level and uh but the club level yeah I mean I've obviously played club rugby and um you know it was just a good good freaking time so um yeah I hope that answers your question yeah well yeah absolutely and I think it's kind of interesting you that you distinguish the difference between club rugby and kind of the higher performance path pathways and I think about things like my experience as a club rugby player very inclusive of course uh, I know you played for the Chicago Lions um, and I think the North Shore women's team right I yeah I played for North Shore one year yeah okay and I know in my experiences with both those teams here in Illinois being from the blaze that uh, very inclusive in um, all that they do. But I think about like, you know, we, we've talked about Kat Roach on our show, who's climbed the ladder and who will be an AR at the Women's World Cup down in New Zealand. And oh, she's wow. going to mention in her, yeah, in her social media, the fact that some of the things she's been said, uh, some of the names she's been called, some of the things that have been said to her uh, when she's been um, on the field uh, engaging the men's in the men's game it's a bit troubling that that inclusivity kind of doesn't carry up to that level that there's still kind of, you know, that it, she's, she's an official just like Scott green or, you know, uh, anybody else that comes to the pitch, why would she be treated any differently? Um, and so there is that kind of that, that little bit of difference. Yes. I understand that. That's unfortunate for sure. Yeah. So, um, again, uh, for those folks who are watching, of course, you can pick us up on all social media, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, heck, I, I, I think we're, we're even engaged on uh, that thing called TikTok. Scott likes to tick and talk all the time. 
Uh, but we're also available on Patreon at Rugby Rant Pod. And so for three extra dollars, you can get great content and continue to see uh, the rest of the RPK, the Runcaster Kick episode here with Warren Doyle, getting this great insight onto the high performance seventh pathway here in the United States, but also a little bit more about, you know, life from Illinois and growing up and, and moving into professionalism um, from the middle of central Illinois. Um, so, uh, again, if you want to catch us there, flip on over, jump over to Patreon, uh, and be sure to catch us there. Uh, but for everybody else, thanks for watching episode 100. It's my contribution since I couldn't join the, the rant this week. Episode 100, we appreciate you joining, and we'll see everybody at the next. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.